Hey. Hello. Welcome to... Well, there's been another Patreon thing, but that was an interview. So this is the first, like, official, like, just me bonus content on Patreon. Hi. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. Thank you so much for being a Patreon, first and foremost. It... I know I say it at the end of all of the main episodes, but means the world to me that anybody would like the show enough to support it. And I know that, you know, it's tough out there now. So financially, I know it's not always an option. So it means the world to me that you would help this little show out. I have a billion ideas for Patreon bonus content, but the first segment that I would like to start, and I think it's appropriate because I've been watching a lot of movies for the Halloween month thing we're doing next that starts on Friday. Um, I love movies. I always have. My original goal as a child was to be an actor, but I sadly live in Florida and not LA, so that really wasn't an option for me. So I've always just been fascinated by film and movie making. And now in my well, I'm not a teen, but I got into it in my teens. And then now in my adulthood, I love true crime. So documentaries about true crime are my favorite thing because it combines two of my favorite things to learn about, which is film and murder stuff. So this segment I will be calling, I watched this thing, let's talk about it. Is it an original title? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, it, it is, but I mean, is it like a good title not really but I did watch a thing and I want to talk about it so the title is very literal this segment will give me a chance to watch true crime documentaries and then just say my thoughts so this is going to be a movie review but for documentaries and if you guys have things that you would like me to watch and you would like to hear my opinions about feel free to comment dm me I would love to know because I have all the streaming services so I can find a way to watch whatever you want me to. <laughs> so today's documentary of choice will be, I don't have a drum roll, but <laughs> it's Casting John Bonet, which is a Netflix documentary that came out in 2017. And I have a lot of thoughts on this, so let's just hop right into it. Casting John Bonet is a documentary or it's a documentary on streaming services, but it's a docudrama on the film festival circuit. So it premiered at Sundance Film Festival on January 22nd, 2017, and it premiered on Netflix on April 28th, 2017. The film is basically a bunch of residents of Boulder, Colorado, who were either around when the murders happened or they had some kind of connection to the family whether it be through being a teacher of one of the children or they lived in the same area or they had even talked to Patsy or John at least once they're in here and they're all auditioning to play the family essentially in reenactments that play throughout the movie. So the structure of the film is basically just interviews and auditions of these people 
and the crew is asking them questions about the case and their opinions about it. So it's not just people coming in and reading off of a script. They do that, but they really focus heavily on how the residents of Boulder see this case because it happened two decades ago. That's It doesn't seem like it happened that long ago, but it did. And people, it's still fresh in everyone's minds there. When I first heard about this movie, like when it came out, I was under the impression that the people in the film were being told, hey, we're making a movie about the family story and about this case, audition for it, and they were kind of like duped into revealing all this information and stuff. That is not it. It they I read a lot of interviews from the director. I watched her talk about it and she basically said that oh, her name's Kitty Green. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. This movie's directed by Kitty Green, who is I guess you would call her a documentary director cuz the other two movies that she's made are very much in the same vein as this one is. So, Kitty Green basically said like, "Hey, we told them up front you are auditioning for reenactments in that are going to be played in this documentary, but we're also going to play your interviews. So whatever you say in this interview, we could use. We're prob- we might not use it, but if there's something you don't want on camera, don't say it. I'm really happy that they were told like, hey, we're going to be reenacting stuff that's going to be put in this and they didn't get tricked into thinking they were going to make a feature length film because... In the interviews, not only do they share their opinions about the crime, which is not a huge deal because I'm sure they knew that they were going to be asked about it anyway, but some of these people share very, very deep, traumatic things that have happened to them in their lives. Like one of the guys, his girlfriend, he, his then girlfriend at the time, he they went to sleep and then the next morning he woke up and she was dead next to him in the bed. There's another woman who lost three of her children They're very deep, dark things that these people share. And I'm I'm happy that they shared that on their own accord. And it wasn't these filmmakers manipulating these people into giving really, really deep information on camera. So I'm happy about the way that it was made. I initially back in 2017 was like, this seems wrong. But if you actually look into it, it was done very delicately and I do appreciate that. So as I mentioned the structure is basically interviews with all the auditionees and so they're all auditioning to play different people who were players in the story. So there are people auditioning to play John Bonet, people auditioning to play Burke the brother, John the dad, Patsy the mother, and then John Mark Carr who was that creepy neighbor that they thought who did it and then a bunch of guys who auditioned to play various different Boulder police officers. So the first set of audition people that you see is the people who are auditioning to play Patsy, the mother. And all of these women were so committed. They came in and they were like, I am going to wear the same thing. They did. Most of them all had the red turtleneck, except for one woman who said that she felt that the outfit that Patsy wore in the press conference slash when she was on Larry King was more appropriate and it spoke to quote her like true self 
So that lady was the only outsider, but she did a lot of research, and I am impressed by that. (laughs) So it's all these women coming in in these red turtlenecks and pants, and they brought their beauty pageant photos, and they're saying how I competed in pageants when I was younger, so I get the pageant mentality. A lot of these women are mothers. Some of them are actors, and some of them aren't. There were fully people in all of the categories who said like I've never acted in anything before but you know I'm giving it a shot and that's great I'm proud of y'all that's a scary thing to do especially if it's going to be on a literal Netflix documentary so we appreciate the confidence they were all so well researched on Patsy and it amazes me how different their opinions affected the way that they played her because You hear them talk about Patsy in great detail and then they'll cut to them actually reenacting a scene like a scene with her when she's on the phone and she's crying or when she's having an argument with um, John, her husband. And all of like all of the women who were very against Patsy and thought that she was a horrible mother and that she had something to do with it, they played her like an evil person and then all of the people who had like some kind of compassion for her and were like she's a mother she could never do this to her child they played Patsy very sweetly and innocently and the people who were kind of on the fence just kind of played it like you know any other character which is kind of what you have to do as an actor sometimes if there's not enough information for you to go off of you just play the version that you want to play but It was really impressive to see how deeply even the people who weren't actors dived into this before going on camera. Then after the Patsy group, we have the people who are auditioning to play John. And again, it's the same. They didn't really come dressed. I mean, they did, but it's men's fashion. It's not like (laughs) unless you're like Timothy Chalamet or Lil Nas, like men's fashion is pretty standard across the board so they came in like khakis and um collared shirts (laughs) so it and again it's the same thing of like their opinions on him as a person deeply affected how they played him some of them played him very angrily and abusive because that's what they thought that he was and then the guys who I feel like there were a lot more guys who thought that he was just a good dude and he was innocent. So a lot of them played him like that, just like a loving father. And they were very, they were less aggressive. And they, they also had weird opinions on Patsy too. I, I don't know. I, that whole family is a mess, but so I'll get into what I think a little bit later in this. So you can see where I'm coming from, but like, as an actor, you're kind of taught to not see your character as a bad person because you you have to sympathize with what they're doing and you have to think that what they're doing is right in order to play a quote-unquote villain. Like, you know, Tom Middleston, when he plays Loki, because he's my future husband, he just doesn't know it yet. Um, <laughs> he He plays Loki and he has a great time. And he's evil and he's great because he, as an actor, has to think that whatever Loki is doing, Loki thinks is right. That's why he's doing it. And when it's a 
like a case like this and it's characters like this it's much harder to do because the opinions are so subjective it's not just like oh this person is evil because they cast a spell on a town of course they're evil we don't know what happened that night nobody does and we probably never will because they're no longer with us the only person that's still alive is the brother burke and it yeah just from an acting perspective it's just crazy to to just see how everybody's different opinions totally change the way that they play these characters and then we have the people who are auditioning to play the police officers uh various different officials and officers and people who were assigned to the case they were fine it was just dudes reading cop stuff it was it was okay um there was one guy who was actually a security officer and then and during the day and then at night he is a um a teacher to teach people about BDSM and how to do it safely. And it's just, it's because all of the, uh, like they're cutting in between all the interviews and the guys are talking very officially about like, why well, I think this happened to the case. And there's also a guy on there who was an actual investigator. So he's looking at the letter and telling you everything that's wrong with it. The, the ransom note that was left in their home. And they're talking so seriously about everything and then in between all the serious conversations they're cutting to this man who has brought his bdsm equipment mind you to this interview and he's teaching you about just like different stuff and how to do different things and i get it because it kind of relates to the case question mark but it was it just it made me laugh and not because it was funny it was because it was so inappropriately timed because we were talking about a possible violent human that wrote a ransom note and then in between he's like so you're gonna want to do this and don't do that and it was it was chaotic it was chaotic but it was funny in a really making me uncomfortable kind of way and then after that, we have them pairing up the actors with each other, like the husband and wife actors. They're pairing them up randomly to see how they do together. And they read the press conference stuff, which was super interesting to see them act across each other. And as someone who has auditioned for things before, it's so awkward when you have to read with somebody Usually when you have to read, when they ask you to read something from the script, you have the paper in front of you. And if it's by yourself, that's fine because you just do your thing. But if you're auditioning with someone else who's going to be playing opposite of you possibly, it's so awkward because most of the time you don't know them. It's so you just have to shake hands and be like, hi, I'm Victoria. And then he says, hi, I'm Billy Bob. And then they go, okay, be husband and wife or be boyfriend and girlfriend. It's the weirdest acting is so strange and it makes me so nervous, but I love it. It was also super adorable to see them introduce, like do the awkward, like, hi, nice to meet you. Okay. We're going to act together thing. It, it's just as someone who's done it, it was just very cute to watch it from the outside. And yeah just it's it just seemed the whole thing seems stressful to be quite honest with you because a lot of the scenes they had them read were not just oh we're gonna have you read a conversation we're gonna have you read a literal police press conference thing about a 
your dead daughter. It was very stressful to watch. This whole movie, it just... The aura it was giving off was just stress. And we'll get into that a little bit coming up, actually, right now. So I was okay with the way that it was done with the adults because they are adults and they are there to you know it's you're an adult a lot of these people were in their 40s and 50s like they can make their own decisions it's fine if they want to go and pretend to be John and Patsy Ramsey they can go ahead and do that great it was when the kids came in particularly the kids that were playing Burke when I had a little bit of an issue with this movie so they had a bunch of these little boys come in and audition and it was like most kid auditions you know they just had them sit down and they asked them questions about if they had siblings and how they uh, treat their sisters and how their sisters treat them and I and I fully understand that it was to get a gauge on you know how brothers and sisters like interact with each other especially when they're super young like that because all of these kids were the same age as John Bonet and Burke were so or at least close to the same age. So I get it. A lot of this was also a social experiment, you know, along with people just giving their opinions. It was also just to see what was possible and what was not. And so that was interesting to see that part. But it was after they were asking the kids about their relationships with their siblings and things like that. They cut to the brother they're the kids who are auditioning for the brother hitting a watermelon with a flashlight like a big old flashlight and I get it that's what's speculated that he actually did and I believe that real life Burke actually they actually had him do that at the police station to see if it was even possible it just felt weird it felt wrong and it felt like I a lot of the reviews that I read for it said that, you know, they in, they put in moments of comedy to make it a little bit more palatable. And I get that with the BDSM thing. I get that. I just felt like it was a little wrong to have that be what the kids part of the audition was. It just it made me feel icky. And I, I don't know why. And then they had the little girls come in who played um, John Bonet, and part of their they ba- they basically sat them all down and put them in her exact little cowgirl outfit, and they had her go up on stage and like sing a song or something. And there was a part if you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen me live Instagram storying me watching this for the first time because I watched it four times for this. <laughs> the little like they're showing the little girls getting all dolled up and put wigs on and things like that and then all of a sudden they cut to a shot of this little girl screaming at the top of her lungs and I was watching this on my computer with headphones in and I almost about passed out I was not prepared there was no warning of like okay we're gonna have you scream for this part of the audition it was just little girl getting a weave put on scream bloody murder I was not okay with it <laughs> That part with them making, because some of these little girls look exactly like her, not like feature for feature, but they look pretty darn close. And it was just really eerie to watch all of these little girls put on her exact outfit and 
sit in front of the camera and like say stuff. It was yeah, and I think their only uh, they had to sing, and then I think their only other part of the audition they had to scream, and that was really the only part that they used the girls for. Even though the movie is called Casting John Bonet, this movie really should be called Casting John Bonet's Family because they spend a whole lot of time on the parents. Like, uh, I want to say ninety-five percent of this movie is the parents, and then five percent is the kids, which. I do appreciate I f- kids in film. It's a weird thing. I know there are laws and things in place, but I don't know. If I was a parent and they had auditions and they were like, have your daughter come play John JonBenet Ramsey? Absolutely not. I would be like, heck no. The aunt- or come play her brother. Absolutely not. That would be so weird. And then they also had guys auditioned to play the Santa Claus that neighbor or the guy who came over that one night or the night that all of this the night before all of this happened um they had a party and there was a Santa at the party and they thought that you know he was the one that did it so they had guys come in and audition for that that part was kind of throwaway and weird there's a deer sitting on the ground in the background and that was kind of more interesting than what the guys were saying (laughs) I kept looking at the deer on the ground it's like a a, like a stuffed deer head that was just chilling in the corner don't know why they didn't pick a better spot to interview him at but I was not the set designer so I can't tell you that answer and then the final character that they audition for is um John Mark Carr who was the creepy guy that got arrested for murdering her that part was weird I, mm, I, I this whole movie's just icky. It makes me feel weird watching it. I don't know why, because when you see people re- like, there's tons of true crime movies that are actual movies that are based on people's literal lives and things like that. There are so many Ted Bundy movies. There's so many John. Uh, no, there are actually John Bonnet Ramsey movies, but there's so many you know serial killer movies, and. I think those are just easier to watch because we know the whole story and they're famous. This one is also famous, but it involves children. And I think that's where it gets weird. So the guy who plays John Mark Carr, there's like a couple dudes that audition for that part. Not as many, nearly as many as the dad and the mom. But there is one particular guy who's the first guy that they show and they do an extended long shot on his face and he stares at the camera the entire time and he scared the crap out of me. He looks just like him. He gives me the same weird vibes. He got his little weird hand movements and his posture. He's a very good actor and he's clearly method. And for any, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming most people know what method acting is, but if for some reason you don't, it means that you are in character from the time you are on set to the time you leave like the whole time in between takes you don't come out of character at all you are that person the entire day so that first dude he full he what I was talking about earlier where you got to like sympathize with your character to be able to play them and believe that like what they're doing is right he did that to the max like he had a whole story like he it was it was eerie. It was the same vibes that I get from Mindhunter that whoever cast Mindhunter needs an Emmy because all of those dang serial killers on that show look exact. They are clones. They are literal clones. This guy, he did get the part. I mean, he is in the reenactments, all of them in the movie. So I'm so he did get the part and he deserves it. But it was just, again, only word I can come up with is creepy and eerie. And 
yeah, so he clearly, he went full Jared Leto Joker on that part, for sure, because Jared Leto was also Method in Suicide Squad, which was not a very good movie, but yeah, so kudos to that guy for being a good actor, but it was just weird. <laughs> so after you see all of the people and the auditionees, and in between the auditionees, they're also splicing in the actual reenactments that they choose to do, and... So they pick a couple of the actors and I believe all of them got to reenact something at least once at some point. And the end of the movie is just all of the mothers and father people walking around the set of the house trying to like figure things out. And they're each of them are talking about what they think about Patsy and what they think about John. And I think that's the whole point of this movie was to just get this town's opinion on this crime. I don't think it was meant to sway opinions at all because of the way that it was filmed. Because a lot of true crime documentary slash films, I feel like they have an agenda. Whether or not it's blatant or not, I think they do because as human beings, we have opinions about things. And so the director of the film has an agenda of what they want you to perceive and what they want you to perceive about this specific person or persons in this true crime story. So for example, um, the Eileen Warnos movie Monster with Charlize Theron, which is a great film if you've never seen it. She got an Oscar for it very deservingly, I think. That movie, the director clearly tried to make you sympathize with Eileen because she did have a hard life, but she also didn't want you to walk away from that movie being like, she didn't deserve anything because she did. She did a horrible thing. She did horrible things and you obviously deserve to be punished. But the main angle of that film was to show you how that woman got to that part in her life to where she had to make those decisions so there was clearly a lot of sympathy going into that film and you can see it when you watch the movie a confusing angle of a true crime movie is that Zac Efron Ted Bundy film that one did not know what it wanted to be and I feel like after watching it a few times because I love Zac Efron I can't stand Ted Bundy I don't think I will ever talk about him on my podcast unless you guys really 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 want me to but that director there were parts of that movie where I felt like he was blatantly trying to be like hey you like him don't you this is this is something to like about this man there were too many positive scenes of Ted in that movie and I get that the end of the movie is him in prison But that doesn't change the fact that you've shown me too many positive qualities about this human that is obviously terrible. So there are movies like Monster that walk that line of sympathy and also reality very well. And then there are movies like the Ted Bundy movie that has a stupid long ass title that I can't remember, which is why I'm calling it the Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie that don't know what they are. This movie, casting John Bonet, I think had no agenda period and the reasoning I'm saying that is because when you start watching it you obviously go into this movie with whatever your own opinion of the John Bonet Ramsey case is mine personally being that I think that the brother did it and the parents covered it up 
if for some reason Burke's team hears this, because I know he likes to sue people who try to put stuff on him. I didn't say that. I didn't, you didn't hear a dang thing. That wasn't me. That was my non-existent twin that just said that. But that is my personal opinion. And I went into this movie with that opinion. As I'm watching it, from the get-go, you are being bombarded with different people's opinions very, very quickly. They jump back and forth from people who liked the parents, people who did not like the parents, people who were in the middle about the parents, people who had very strong feelings about everybody else. So they're literally going from... This movie had a million angles. It had all of the angles. And so you find yourself at times being like, oh, maybe that did happen. And then another actor will say something and you're like, oh, but maybe this did happen. So you're constantly shifting and changing your own beliefs while watching this movie, which is why I don't think it had an agenda, period. It was just, here's all of the opinions we could find you do your thing. It wasn't trying to be like, this is what we think you should believe about this case. It was just like, here's an open-ended statement. Go for it and believe what you want at the end of it. The actual ratings for this film on Rotten Tomato, it's 82% for critics and then audiences gave it 49. And this is something that I noticed with festival films, particularly documentaries, but I think it I think this covers most festival films, is that they do very, very well with movie critics. They do not do as well with your typical cinema goer or person who's just going to watch this on a streaming service. And that is because of how artsy-fartsy they make these movies. And I'm not saying that regular cinema goers don't like artsy-fartsy. They do. I'm sure a lot of them do. But your general audience is not going to look at this from the same angle that a movie critic is going to look at it from. Another thing I really, really liked about this movie is the way that it was shot. I pay attention a lot to camera angles and things like that. And for a documentary, it was shot beautifully, I think. And for this type of documentary, I think it was shot great. And the way that they shoot the actual reenactments of the scene are great. They are. It's very tense. which it should be because it's a true crime story you really feel because it's only it's literally only the members of this family are the scenes that you're seeing it's not like they have a bunch of extras in the background to fill in stuff it's just these people so when you have a woman alone on the phone in her kitchen crying and it's shot and the lights are low and it's being shot from above so she looks like she's smaller it's just it was shot very beautifully and who you cinematographer get some Emmys. It was great. I 10 out of 10 for the way that this movie looks. It it captures the way that this family felt no matter who's guilty or who's not, which is probably they felt like ants with a magnifying glass on them and that's something that I noticed while watching and that the energy that I got by the end of it. Would I recommend this movie? Yes. I say watch it at least once. I don't think you need to watch it more than once. You'll get what you need out of it after one viewing. It's not like you're going to miss anything that you need to go back and watch it a bunch of times. There's no hidden Easter eggs or anything. It's all very straightforward. People talking, information being given to you. Watch it once and then don't ever watch it again. And that's not because it's bad. It's just because it's a lot to have to pay attention to for an hour and a half. 
kudos to the actors in this, specifically the ones who played John and Patsy. They were so vulnerable and open to the cast of and the crew of this film. They shared very personal information about their own lives, and it was very interesting for me as somebody who does not have children. Other parents' perspectives on a case like this, and how all of their opinions were vastly different. You know, every you all have kids, so I assume that all of their opinions were going to be the same, but they're not. Well, all of them except for like a couple of them don't have kids, but all the main people had children, and. So you go into it being like, oh, these parents are going to hate these parents. But no, some of them actually very blatantly sympathize with Patsy and and John. And it was shocking to me as, you know, someone who does not have kids who just looks at these people as monsters. I think my rating for this movie, I think I'm going to rate it out of 10. I'm going to give it like a... Because I don't even remember what I gave it on my Instagram story. I think I gave it like a 4. But now that I've watched it more and I've actually thought about it and wasn't just one watch and like oh that wasn't for me this was weird I think I'm gonna give it a seven okay I'm gonna give it a seven as a film like as far as filmmaking goes and as far as just I guess technical things and the way that it was made in general I'm gonna give it a seven the premise like just it as a whole thing of everything I'll probably give it like a six again like I said would not watch it again and it's not because it's bad it's just it's not for me and it made me feel icky and weird and it was kind of exploitative at times but I think you should watch it once and form your own opinion but the whole idea of this documentary of getting people to audition to reenact a crime that's in and of itself very genius filmmaking that's something that people don't normally do you don't ever really get to see the audition process for these true crime movies you just see the end result so that was super interesting and the fact that it's such a sensationalized case I think made it an even better watch or at least a more interesting watch so yeah I think I'm gonna give it a seven for filmmaking and then a six for just overall would I watch it again because it's not really for me it just made me feel icky and weird and I just felt like at certain times it was very exploitative to not only the actors and their emotions but just to the case in general because at the end of the day this is about a little girl who was brutally murdered and taken from the earth so I think at some points it could have been handled a little bit better specifically that stupid watermelon part it still rubs me the wrong way so I, I just I feel like this case in general is a very glitzy glamoury case and it shouldn't be it's at the end of the day it's a murder of a child which is one of the saddest things that any that could happen on this planet so yeah seven for filmmaking six for just overall experience probably wouldn't watch it again i've seen it four times don't need to do it to myself anymore i would love to know what you think please leave a comment below this or dm me would love to talk about it would love to know what you think about the case in general i know everybody has different opinions about the john benet ramsey case and would love to know what you think about the film so feel free to hit me up so thank you for joining me on the first ever edition of hey i watched a thing let's talk about it <laughs> there will be more of these to come in the future for sure and like I said at the beginning, if there's something you would like me to specifically watch and talk about, always open to suggestions because 
a Patreon is I want to do stuff that you guys want to listen to because this is your Patreon. So, yeah, have a wonderful day, evening, or night whenever you're listening to this. And thank you so much for being a Patreon. Bye bye.